on what can you always rely? This gun in my hand. Falk Ziljan, imperturbable hero by virtue of the fact that he carries a gun, stands near the scene of a crime. There's nowhere to kneel without getting his trousers soaked in blood. A rookie police officer had only lasted ten seconds looking at the victims before running behind a dumpster to lose his lunch. Billy? What's going on? Why isn't your father narrating? I'm filling in for him while he tries to straighten some things out. We can just hold off recording until he's available. Well, see, that's the thing. He might not be available ever again. They summoned him to appear before the narrator's committee. He's been accused of... I'm sorry, Mr. Ziljan, it's hard to say out loud. Take your time. What is it, Billy? He's accused of being an unreliable narrator. In the ballroom of the Knights of Pythias Hall, Falk Ziljan sits at a table next to my dad. Um, my dad is Bill Narrator Sr., I'm not there in the scene. I'm just describing it for you because Dad can't do it. At one end of the room, there's a kind of desk podium thing. The kind of judge sits behind. All the commissioners sit there looking important. It's raised up higher than the table for the witnesses. Plus, there's a big audience of people watching the hearing. They're sitting down. Ladies and gentlemen of the commission. Sorry, I mean gentlemen of the commission. My name is Falk Ziljan. I'm here to advise my friend and co-worker, William Narrator Sr., Undeniable hero by virtue of the fact that he carries a microphone. I don't carry a microphone. Thank you, Mr. Ziljan. You can sort of lean over the shoulder of your friend and whisper in his ear occasionally for the rest of the proceedings. Now you, sir, will you please state your name for the record? William Narrator Sr. That's your real name? Yes. If I understand correctly, it's an English name, from the time when people often took their profession as their last name. One of your forebears was a professional narrator in England? I guess. Isn't William Narrator your stage name? No, sir. Isn't your name, in fact, your true name, Robert Thomas Northrup? No. Aren't you really Robert Thomas Northrup playing this put-on character with the absurd name of William Narrator Sr.? Absolutely not. And if we produce other witnesses who will swear to that fact? Then they're lying. All right, we need it quiet so questioning may proceed. Let's have it quiet. You're demanding my name when you never gave yours. Isn't that a little unfair? What's your name? I'm not ashamed of my good name. It's Robert Thomas Northrop, just like yours. That's not true. Just like everyone else here. There is no one else here besides you, me, and Falk Ziljan. That grumbling hubbub is a sound effect track. Aha! Then you do know what's going on here. I'm a professional narrator. It's my job to know. It just so happens I'm playing the role of Chief Commissioner Elwood J. Haas. But I'm not so foolish as to be lost in my part. I can't deny who's providing this voice. I do deny it. My name is William Narrator Sr., and if you want to hear from that other guy, I'll step down and you can call him to the stand. No, we want to hear from you. Let's talk about what we're hearing now. I can hardly understand you, sir. Maybe you should get your ears checked. Have you ever been to a medical doctor for treatment of your speech impediment? No. Are you really going to sit there and deny the elephant in the room? Your voice sounds like it's coming through one of those candlestick telephones where you cup one piece to your ear and speak into the other piece. That's a stylistic choice. Well, can you stop it and speak normally? I am speaking normally. Isn't it true that the strange aspect of your voice is caused by a filter applied in post-production? 
I have nothing to do with that technical side of things. My job is to read what they put in front of me. I know enough to adjust the height of the microphone stand, and that's about it. Isn't it true that this filter is applied to your voice to distinguish it from the main character, Falk Ziljan? No, why would because I... otherwise it would be obvious you're both the same person, Robert Thomas Northrop. That's ridiculous. It's a scientifically proven fact that acoustics are weird in Parabellum City, and that's why everyone sounds alike. Yes, maybe we'll get some scientist of sound and vibration to testify for us about that technical term, weird. Excuse me. Excuse me, sir. I have a few questions. This committee has convened to listen to Mr. Narrator prove his reliability, not to answer questions from every one of his acquaintances or self-important clients. Your title is Chief Commissioner Haas, isn't it? Yes, sir. And we're testifying before the Haas Unreliable Narrativities Committee, right? That's correct. If it's a committee, then why are you a commissioner? Why isn't your title Chief Committee Member? Or why isn't this group known as the Haas Unreliable Narrativities Commission? I don't know. Take it up with the continuity girl. Why is that task always assigned to girls? I've never understood that. That seems like an important discrepancy, Mr. Commissioner. It sounds like your title or the name of the group is wrong. It sounds like your claims about this narrative, unfolding right at this moment, are unreliable. I will have you ejected from this hearing, sir. Oh, you eject citizens for pointing out your hypocrisy. That's pretty convenient. I will have order. Is narrativity even a word? It certainly is. It is a real word, Falk. Mr. Narrator, you are employed by the Magnum Radio Network to narrate the dramatic radio program known as This Gun in My Hand. Is that correct? Technically, it's produced by WPBC Studios. That's my employer. You should tell him it's debatable whether it's dramatic. Thank you. Yes, Falk reminds me that it's debatable whether the show should be considered dramatic. Are you aware that Magnum Radio Network and WPBC Studios are shell companies held by the actual mastermind of these unreliable narrativities, a name that should be familiar to everyone in the hearing room by now, Robert Thomas Northrop? If that's true, I don't see what difference it makes. If I found out they were owned by an underworld figure like Regina, the queen pin of crime, I would have to seek employment elsewhere. Is there anything you can tell us about this individual who hides in the shadows, Robert Northrop? Uh, I know he's written a novel called Grand Theft Bablo and two short story collections. He's promoted them on the show, but they're self-published, so, you know. And what were the titles of these collections of short stories? I believe the first was called Dungeons and Day Jobs. The other was, uh, do you remember, Falk? Little Heist in the Big Woods. Oh, right. How could I forget? Little Heist in the Big Woods and Other Revisionist Atrocities. I suppose he still has these works of fiction available for sale? Last I heard, yes. I believe we've moved past the preliminaries and we can advance to the heart of the matter before us today. In several episodes of this gun show, this radio program, you've claimed that Falk Ziljan is a, a, quote, indomitable hero by virtue of the fact that he carries a gun, unquote. I stand by that statement. And yet by the end of some of those very same episodes, Ziljan is dominated by his enemies. Besides that, it's not clear that he is a hero, at least not consistently, or if carrying a gun is the cause of his intermittent heroism. That seems like a matter of opinion. Is there a legal definition of hero, or a definition used by the committee? There is not. Let's get the continuity girl to make a note of that so we can discuss it in another session. You're not my boss. I work for WPBC Studio. I'd like to bring your attention to episode number 56, Please Kill Responsibly. During that program, you claimed that the National Rifle Manufacturers Association is, quote, keeping the world safe for your continued use of firearms, unquote. In fact, it makes the world less safe. Commissioner, that was an advertisement, not Bill's role as narrator. 
Well, now, what difference would that make? You're trying to determine whether Bill is an unreliable narrator, not an unreliable advertiser. Any of the claims he makes during commercials should be taken up with the station or the network's advertising departments. They're the ones who put the ad copy in front of him. Bill just reads it. Maybe there's something not kosher about using hosts and narrators from within a story to double a salesman. I see your point, sir, but there's no law against that. That's fine, but I have not exhausted this list of accusations against you yet, Mr. Narrator. I'm Falk Ziljan. I know, I know, and you sound like Mr. Narrator because acoustics are weird in Parabellum City. How about this? Dredge this one up from a long time back. In the teaser text for episode 9, which was entitled, uh, Invasion of the Emerald Ashborer, you claimed the Emerald Ashborer was a murderer. But during the program, it's revealed he had used knockout gas on his victims instead of real bullets. Have we got a wire recording of that clip? Commissioner Haas, it's like Falk just said. That was from the teaser text, which falls outside of my responsibilities as a narrator. In fact, I didn't even read that on the radio. It only appeared in promotional materials. You can try to deny it as William Narrator Sr., but it was still your responsibility as the person who writes the teaser text and promotes this program, Robert Thomas Northrup. You'll have to take it up with him. I am. Maybe put his name on the subpoena next time. You ain't gonna wiggle your way out of this, Mr. Narrator. Let's move on to This Gun in My Coffin, episode number 26. You claimed that story would be Falk's last, and yet here we are on... What, episode number 72? That's a sensitive area, Commissioner Haas. It's hard to build tension if your audience knows that everyone lives happily ever after at the end. Sometimes you misdirect the audience by giving the impression that their hero will be injured or killed. That right there is an admission that you were an unreliable narrator, sir. Commissioner Haas, I think it's part of the genre of radio dramas, uh, mysteries or thrillers or especially pulp fiction, that a character can seem to be killed or injured and come back from it somehow. Heroes play possum. Sometimes they fake their own deaths, as I did in that episode. Often with fantasy or science fiction or superhero stories, they are killed, but they're able to come back from the dead through supernatural or technological means. Don't forget horror. Of course. How interesting would that season finale be if Bill narrated up front that I was faking my death? We must have narrators who are reliable, credible, and sincere. What else do you think secures justice for the citizens of these United States? This gun in my hand. Sorry, sorry, it's just a reflex sometimes. Tell you what, Mr. Ziljan, you know so much about spiritualism and magical resurrection, we might invite you back for the upcoming hearings on witchcraft and satanic rituals. I believe there have been several postponements. It could be another four or five decades before we really do justice to that problem. I'm sure you'll cover that topic as sensibly as you have today's topic. Thank you. Now, in a program titled Do Drop In Uendo, episode 58, you promoted an organization called GERD. Growing Information in Radio Drama. As you launched into the episode, Mr. Narrator, you said, Here comes something new right now. Then the next sound was two characters grunting and wrestling. That is absolutely not new. Far from it. Nothing more tired than two people grunting like pigs on a radio drama. Again, that falls outside of my role as a narrator because I was reading ad copy. You think you're so slick, weaseling out of all these charges, but I saved the clearest example for last. In the episode prior to this one... The Ink-Stained Corpse, broadcast only two weeks ago, William Narrator Sr. claimed that Falk Ziljan was investigating a corpse. I'm sorry to spoil it for any listeners who haven't heard that one, but the sailor was merely unconscious. There was no corpse in that episode. That was an out-and-out lie. Commissioner, you have to realize that an unreliable narrator can be a useful and intentional technique in a narrative design. It reminds listeners or readers or consumers of a story that human beings are flawed and fallible. 
You should be skeptical because you can't always trust what you hear. Balderdash. When has there ever been a positive story worth listening to when it had an unreliable narrator? Well, that episode turned out pretty good as far as I'm concerned. Let me give you another example of how it works. You just keep in mind, Mrs. Ziljane, the career of your friend here is at stake. Hey, Billy, are you still here? Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to maintain the appropriate distance from events in case I have to step in again as narrator. I'm here, but I'm not here. Billy, you started out narrating this episode, right? Sure, the crime scene that was so bloody, the rookie You were cop... worried about your dad getting in trouble at work and having to face off with this committee. That's right. Are you enjoying your first real job of narrating an episode? Yeah, this is great. Chip off the old block. I know you're creative, Billy, because sometimes you and the other neighborhood kids like to put on a show, right? Sure, just like Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland in Babes in Arms. So when you started narrating the part about your father testifying to the Haas Unreliable Narrativities Committee... Maybe that was you being creative. What? No, that was real. Think hard, Billy. Maybe you were fantasizing about your first time as a narrator. Maybe you fantasized a whole story of your father in danger and how you could be the hero who saved the day. Now, see here. If that part of your narration was unreliable, if it was all part of your personal fantasy, then maybe we're not sitting in the Knights of Pythias Hall right now in front of Commissioner Haas and his darn committee. You mean... Maybe that never happened at all. Yeah, I get it. I was just fantasizing. Who cares if a little kid's unreliable? It's not like I'm a professional narrator who has to follow some code of ethics. Not yet. That's it. We're back at the crime scene. Ugh, my plaid slacks. How am I going to get out all this blood? Sorry, Bill. I'll go help out that copper. You guys don't need to stick around. Did I do okay, Pop? You did great, Billy. I wasn't sure if you'd want to follow in my footsteps with the family business. I still want to be a cowboy. But there's so much power being a narrator. I'm going to narrate my way out of the geography quiz on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, officer. Let it all out. Undeniable Narrator, episode 72 of This Gun in My Hand, was fantasized by Rob Northrup. This episode and all others are available on YouTube with automatically generated closed captions of dialogue. Visit thisgunninmyhand.blogspot.com for credits, show notes, information on how to subscribe, and to buy my books, such as... Say it with me now. Little Heist in the Big Woods and Other Revisionist Atrocities. What cuts through the bureaucracy? This Gun in My Hand. <laughs>